Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode 80. Going to continue our positional recap reviews of the 2023 fantasy baseball season, heading to second base. Going to get you covered there on the top 30 ADP and much more as usual per the position. Got a lot of great listener uh, questions slash conversation, which will be fun for that as always. And we'll talk some playoffs. We'll talk about our buddy Little Book of Calm, just going deeper and deeper into the free agent discussion from last week and much more. You can find me on Twitter at BDentric, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, my friend? Fire it up tonight, man. It is going to be a it's going to be a show. I think. Yep. It's going to be, be a good. show. Fire it up because uh, I don't know. I guess I guess first and foremost, we are a week from first pitch. The yep. the Bubba and the Bloom Open will have already taken place. Yep. This time next week, our live show at First Pitch Arizona has been officially scheduled for prime time maybe a little bit later than prime time oh, no, maybe this, after this is, hours this is like late show stuff where you get the second late show where you know the good stuff really goes down that's what yeah. we got yeah it's uh we are right after the ftn fantasy baseball podcast so that i guess they're prime time and then we are we are late night so yep. we have been talking back and forth for a little bit before the show about what we're going to do we've got some fun fun things planned for the live show can like truly cannot wait for that. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Presented by high noon, of course, of course that, that show. But uh, I don't know. I'm also stoked for the world series. I'm stoked that Virginia tech destroyed Syracuse <laughs> tonight in the, in the college football division. I'm stoked that we are halfway through the baseball forecaster in terms of player boxes. We're done That's with awesome. hitters moving on to pitchers. Um, stoked for a bunch of listener questions and feedback that we got leading up to this show tonight. Yeah. I don't know, could go on and on, but uh, but that's where I'm at. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Uh, just one quick note on the podcast though, since obviously we're recording next Friday live in Arizona, there will be no next Thursday show. Just if anybody's looking for one, it will not be happening because we'll be at first pitch. Uh, we'll record Friday night whenever I get the the mp3 from the gentleman that helps us out i will update i'll upload it so usually it'll be sometime saturday so if you just aren't available for first pitch unfortunately you'll still be able to listen to it it'll be a little different a lot of live interaction like last year but people loved it we got good good comments back from it like ryan said we were talking for a good 45 minutes for the show we finally said okay we just got to record a podcast tonight because we want to keep we're jacked up for first pitch so uh just a reminder no show next week the following week, we'll, re- we'll continue our positional recaps, and uh, it's in November. So twice remember, a twice a week. So we're going to start booking through these things so then we can get you ready for 2024. So a little bit of housekeeping in that regard. You asked how I'm doing. I'm doing great. Played golf today in a scramble. High noon sponsored my golf cart, at least. Uh, very, very well. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I do have to, like, I do got to – I have to bust your balls a little bit, man, because – so we have we have our invitational our open next thursday like you're practicing in monterey i mean lucky you i i haven't played in you know i haven't played in a while i'm 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 at a severe handicap for this yeah this is exactly how ryan sounded last year if you listen to this podcast last season about a year ago and he goes like sets the course record so i'm not worried about ryan right about now and we'll have that full recap on the podcast live next week when he tells me how much he wins by and the fact i paid for his golf yet again so we'll have all that fun stuff don't you worry he'll have some fun with me on that one for sure Uh, it's gonna be a good time i set up we set up all the uh the pairings the tea times we got four separate tea times say uh 
closest to the pin contest, putting green contest. Like it's going to be, I, I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. Yep. It's going to be great. So yeah, check all that fun stuff out. We've we're, we're jacked. Like I know people are like, just get on with the show already, but it's a, it's a great time of the year. And it's really like the kickoff for baseball for like, we do it year round, but it's, it's a gigantic like catapult into baseball season. Once, you know, he's working on the forecaster. Ryan is, F pass happens. I actually this past week got my email. I'm back on catchers this year for the black book. So watch out, folks. It's going hey. down. Um it's, all, all uh, is well in the world if, if Bubba's on uh if Bubba's diving deep into the 45th catcher yep, by, got, by 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 descent by bit by mid-December. All yep. is well. Hey, it's due by mid-December this year. They're they're, they're pushing up the due I'm dates. So I'm gonna have to, to ramp up my catcher knowledge here real quick. You guys it's, are gonna hate it's, me. It's already, gonna it's hate already me. higher than most. You're gonna hate me on this show in no time if you don't already when it comes to catchers. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be great. But tonight we're talking second base. And before we get to the talk on second base, we'll do what we've been doing this time of the year, postseason recap. And it's almost been I feel like really convenient. It seems like the series wrap up, and then we get to preview each series kind of at this time in the last few weeks. Obviously, we know World Series is happening. Oh, wait, we're going to be in Arizona for game five of the World Series. Oh, what a concept. Um, but it, it's going to be great. we got the Diamondbacks versus the Rangers, people that uh, are, love big markets. They hate this. I personally love it as a baseball fan. This is freaking awesome. Um, both teams, like it's hard not to root for the Diamondbacks for one. Rangers, I like them. I know some people have their mixed emotions on the Rangers for some weird reason. But this is going to be fun, Ryan. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty pumped for this postseason because it's wide open because – both teams' pitching's kind of been suspect in the starting pitching aspect of life. Both teams' offenses are clicking. Like it, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be. I mean, from a from a pure baseball standpoint, it's going to be it's going to be awesome. We've got we've got Virginia Tech alum Joe Mantiply in the bullpen. We've got, uh, but seriously, like uh, the the ascension of Brandon Fott, the 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 reincarnation of Nate Avaldi coming back with higher velocity like there's a lot of different storylines the i i think the rangers lineup is is quite a bit better than diamondbacks if i'm picking i'm going to say rangers in six but i hope to god that this goes at least at definitely at least five yep and we'll get to that in just a second but uh but but i think rangers in six is the call it'll be um it'll be a ton of fun and just the buzz around again going back to first pitch but like the fact that the Diamondbacks are in the World Series while we're there is just going to be even, even crazier. I do need to ask you. So I'm flying in. I I could not move my flights around. So I am, I am flying in Wednesday night. And I looked at the times, and I it'll be really weird because we're flying in from, uh, from Portland, coming in from the north. Like we cross over directly over that stadium uh, over nice. Chase Field and downtown, and it will be during a World Series game, which is. Like kind of weird, kind of crazy. We'll be watching it. I'm sure I'll be watching it on the plane, but then to be flying over Chase, like while wow, it's happening, will be nuts. You will already be there, my friend. Mm-hmm. And what's your uh, what's the vibe on potentially attending Game Five Wednesday night in Phoenix? What there is a group at? of four of us. I am one of the four that um, are. I say we're like seventy five twenty five going. We're kind of waiting on one more final, like, yes, let's do it situation. Uh, if not, I told them at worst, let's go to one of the, like, the, the sports bars right next to the stadium and right watch around. it and party it up. Like, I'm down for that, too. So regardless, we're going to live it up. I, I've told some of my Diamondbacks buddies, two of them are in this four pack, that uh, 
It's expensive, but you will never regret it because it's an experience you never like. I went to two Giants World Series. I was telling Ryan before the show. I went to the one in 2010 because as at my age, it was 02 and then Battle of the Bay. Like I was too young to go to like any of these things. 02, I was in college. I was, there's no way I was affording a World Series ticket. But um, I went in 2010. That was great. Went in 2012, watched Pablo hit three home runs. Things I'll never forget. It's worth every penny in the end. It's just one of those things if you're a diehard baseball fan, especially if a team, you just – you find a way if you can. Like if you that. can't, I get it. I get it. I get it's not cheap, but if you can find a way, you rebudget your next month for all I care. Like you, you make it work. And uh, so we're lo- we're leaning towards going. I want to go. I told them just let me know when you want to go and where the money needs to go, and I'm in. So that's the plan. At worst, I plan on being within a rock's throw of that stadium. There's some there's some bars right outside that place. So I'm looking forward to it. I remember, uh, yeah, the night that Arizona clinched or clinched won won the won the NLCS. I I tweeted this out, but just went on uh, TickPick and looked at like the get in price, and it looked like around four hundred, four fifty. I think that's gone up to like six fifty as of Thursday yeah. night. From my experience, and I I have no experience with this baseball with college football games. I like I said, I was just at the uh, Notre Dame. USC game like the same day. I think I think your play might be the same day ticket. Yep. It's all digital now, so it's super easy to get your ticket and go through yep. third party, whatever. Um, what we found is like that day it tends to go down a little bit, but again, no idea what they it'll, they it'll want turn to sell out them regardless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so like that's an angle I've done that for football too. Like I've gone to uh, games at Dallas to open the season, and we'd literally be waking up hungover in the afternoon when the game's like three hours out. We hadn't bought our tickets. We went online and bought them like super cheap. Yeah. Like there's yeah. there's angles to do these things. If you if there's a will, there's a way. Let's put it that way. And worst um, case, if you don't go, like you said, just go to a local watering hole, yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll miss you at the uh, at the hotel bar Wednesday night. But that's oh, if I go to if I go to the game or a bar close by, you'll hear me when I get back. <laughs> Tell me that much because I'll be having a great time, well, but well, um, won't reveal my my room number. I'll, I'll be resting up for uh, for golf, so you can be golf. Me. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah I no, practice, it, so you'll it'll be uh, it'll be wild to see that while we're so close to the thing. I guess game, game six and seven will be in Texas no matter what, but still the game five um, overlap will be pretty sweet. And I'm curious to see like how it goes in the area because Doug Dennis said it was the best F pass he's ever been to. Back in, was yeah. it 2001? 2001. Yep. Yeah. And he says the best that pass he's ever been to. So um, that's that's saying a lot, honestly. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that impacts things. It does not impact the AFL schedule. We got that email today. So that is business as usual. Don't worry about that. All right. Let's talk a little book of calm here. Our buddy, he brought that question last week about um, you know free agents, first year of a contract, how they produce. Last year didn't go so well. Then we both kind of talked about, and you had a good question of like how, like a longer track record, so on and so forth. So you got a chart here. Why don't you like let us know what uh, our buddy Little Book Com has come up with in this uh, search of first year players? Yeah. So I went, so we talked a little bit about this on last week's episode. And uh, Little Book of Calm, who can be followed at Twitter on at L I L Book of Calm. Um, fantastic follow, like super smart dude. I've been going back and forth with him actually pretty much throughout the week, kind of, I don't want to say working on this, but just shooting ideas around and that sort of thing. And, and he brought up a question last week that, uh, or not a question, more just like a statement saying 
looking at the um, free agents who signed a big contract entering 2023 and how most of them, if not all of them, pretty much busted compared to, in, or in terms of their end of season rank versus their preseason ADP. And if you recall, like we went back and forth and said, oh, I wonder like same team, different team. What about previous years? Well, our man, our man has us covered here. Uh, so a little bit of a calm. What were you looking at on the screen for the YouTube crowd? Um, did this same study, looked at, and well, put in quotes, big contracts. Uh, we define big contracts as any contract, free agent contract signed where the average annual value of the contract was more than the qualifying offer, which is pretty genius because the qualifying offer changes every year based on dynamics and the market and that sort of thing. And um, just super interesting results that you're looking at the screen. So looking from left to right in the red, there's a bust rate. And again, this is where where players finished versus where their ADP was. Um, a bust, which is like tons of loss value. A loss, which is like a slight loss. On par, in honor of Bubble and the Bloom open next week, you pretty much broke even. Then there's a slight gain and a boom. And what we found over the last four years was honestly pretty fascinating. Last year was the outlier. So last year, there was like a 46% bust rate of the 13 players that signed a contract, a big free agent contract, 46% of them busted. Over the last five seasons, that's just 25%. And so like, you look at this, there, on, the, on the right side, there's a net down and a net up. Basically what that's saying is over the last five years, 70%, 70% of your big free agents have either met or improved or returned positive investment on their ADP, which to me is like really fascinating because I think of these big contracts as like guys who are obviously very successful because they earn the contract and thus are going in the early rounds. And the early rounds research has shown like your bus rate is pretty high just because it's hard to return that high of value. Like your ADP price is so high that it's just a high bar to clear. But uh, 70% either met or improved on their ADP. We also found that there was no real difference between signing with a new team versus re-signing with your old team. That was that one was of the things we talked about last week. Yeah. Yep, with Aaron Judge. over the Again, over the last five years, um, that really was not a difference. And so, like, my conclusion to this is signing a major free agent contract like avoiding those guys because there's a down year that first year after the contract is is pretty much a myth. And and the numbers kind of bore that out. Again, just one out of four have busted in the last five years. One out of four broke even. And then even more than that gained or improved upon. Almost their, half uh, of them were positive. Yeah. yeah. So um, just super interesting stuff. And again, shout out to a little book of calm to kind of throwing this together and looking at the data, but uh, just thought it'd be pretty cool to follow up on that and, and talk about it a little bit. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Cause like we talked about it last week, we just had the assumption cause a, it's talked about so much, like it's a negative thing. It's just, right. like, it's almost like it's a common discussion, like just avoid this or that, or be wary of it type thing, just because it ha seems to happen more often than not. So to see these numbers, because like even last week we talked about it, and the numbers like, oh yeah, look at fifty three, almost fifty four percent, like sucked. I like, guess just like the way it goes. Um, to see that in the previous four years is like, no, actually it's the complete opposite, pretty much. Like it's just, yeah. it's it's pretty wild to see. And 
like there's so many deeper ways to go about it there's probably no exact formula but it's like well what if it's a big market versus a little market like because like we talked about like Lindor going to New York or like a Philadelphia, if like those kind of crowds and markets, okay, I could see that maybe being more pressure compared to going to Kansas city. But then again, who's signing the big contract in Kansas city? Not very many people. So you got those kind of angles too. And that's, that could be just literally grasping at straws type conversations. Yeah. But uh, it is interesting to see the fact that, because I think when we left last week, it was kind of like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Maybe I should kind of avoid these guys. So to see the complete flip, it's uh, I guess we'll see. There's some big contracts coming up this year. We'll see yeah. see where it goes. I think I know. I think it's valuable. I think it's valuable takeaway information for guys that uh, that sign with new teams. And and it is like with any study like this. I mean, we went back and forth. Like, how do you define a bust versus a loss versus breaking even? That that sort of thing. Um, you could. There's a million ways to slice it. Like, yeah, switching leagues, going across countries going to a big market versus a small market, all that kind of stuff. But just in the aggregate, I thought I thought these numbers, again, which you're looking at the screen, were were pretty telling in that uh that the that the the part or better was far outweighed the bust for these new contracts. And it's just interesting, like you just I don't say you, but like we tend to think of one or two players who would happen to who sucked their first year in a, on a new team and you you apply that narrative across everybody. And when you actually look at the data to, to dig into it, it, uh, it tells you something else, which is always, always informative in, uh, in the off season. Yeah. It just goes to a deeper thing. Like the whole biasy conversation. It's like one guy yep. scorns you. So now we like just start crossing. I think we talked about it like a lot last year when we were doing like our recaps and then our, our previews of certain guys like, wow, maybe I shouldn't be so far off on this guy. Like we always just kind of cross certain guys off and, it's just another angle of crossing guys off our list. Cause that is something that's valuable. We've talked about it, like going into a draft room, like having your guys for good reasons though. Don't just have your guys, but like there's gotta be work behind it. So you have to cross guys off. That's just the nature of the beast. So it just seemed like an easy way out. Like, Hey, let's just cross these guys off these guys off. And now it's more like, yeah, if you like this guys, don't really worry too much. And it's uh, yeah. very, very or, interesting. Or if anything, like I was saying, like early, early picks tend to bust more than later picks just cause the bar you have to clear. If anything, highlight these guys i don't yeah. know that's a contrarian thing but yeah because maybe it's a quote-unquote safer pick which is always a, a horrible thing to say when it comes to fantasy safe but uh it could be a safer early pick like you said yeah, at least get your money back and then hit hit the lottery later type stuff that is a very interesting point to take yeah. um and, and see where it goes there let's talk so yeah base. shout out uh yeah. before we transition just shout and we love listener questions we 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 fish and fish and fish for so many uh every show we got a ton tonight which is awesome um but just anyone who wants to interact and and do this kind of stuff on the show like we will uh we'll bring it up there and again shout out to little book for 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 doing this for us yeah that's clutch big big stuff there um second base now we've done catcher we know we know how good catcher is we've established that we know we we've done Uh, the best position it's all downhill it's all and tonight is a definite downhill moment um we we did first base and that was an interesting one you saw like Early guys were great, a gigantic red spot, and then, you know, you moved on from there. Now we go to second base, and I was telling Ryan before the show, I, I try to work on some of my ranks beforehand to kind of have an angle to talk about stuff, but I don't care about it as much because this isn't a 2024 preview. It's a review of stuff like that. But when you make rankings, you look back on the previous season. That's just kind of how the, the reality of the situation is. And the second base position is interesting and not in a good way. It's extremely top-heavy. And things will change as it goes. 
but like I kind of got that thing even before I saw Ryan's board. So Ryan, when you put this board together, what did you see that stood out to you? Um, many things. I I would say one of the things that stuck out to me was, and my brain works differently. Like what sticks out to me doesn't stick out to others. Um, there were a good amount of steals in the in the top ten of second base. So every single second baseman that was drafted in the top ten preseason at the position stole double digit bases. And then you had your elite, well, I'd say you had your elite Nico Horner at 43 steals, who was taken 10th overall at the position at 138. You had Andres Semenes and Tommy Edmond steal 20 or 30 and 27 respectively, respectively. And you had Jazz Chisholm in like a half season. We'll talk about him a little bit more in detail. Uh still 22. But even like your your studs, your Mookie Betts. Marcus Semi and Jose Altuve, those guys all had 14 steals. Ozzy Albies at 13. Like, I feel like this was the place to get steals in 2023. Um, we can talk about some of the deficiencies in other categories, specifically batting average. Batting average was pretty rough throughout this position last season and, and kind of power, although Max Muncy, like, that's a one-man wrecking crew uh, that bucks that trend. But I thought this was this was your place to get steals, especially early. You had to pick those up. Um, that was one thing that that definitely uh, definitely stood out to me. And again, the um, what we're looking at here on the on the YouTube screen is what we've been looking at the past two positions is top thirty preseason ADP. And what we've done with that is we've overlaid the end of season rank for the Rasball Player Raider. And then your three stat, your three main stats: average, home run, and stolen base, color coded. So, it's all there and 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 packaged and pretty for everyone to see here. It's it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, Mookie Betts is number one, eleventh ADP, three hundred seven, twenty nine or thirty nine, fourteen. I don't think we need to talk much about Mookie unless you got a whole lot extra on him. But dude's a beast. He's gonna have second base outfit eligibility. Like, yeah. He's Mookie Betts. I really don't didn't have realize he on. played. I, I I almost took almost Mookie off the list because I thought he was like shortstop or one. But he played seventy games at second base. Yeah. I didn't realize he played that many. He played eighteen at short. He just missed short. I know. And that I was know. right when they traded for um, Miguel Rojas, Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed Rosario. Oh yeah, that's right. They had Miguel, Miguel Rojas. They traded for Ahmed Rosario. So they had two yeah. shortstops. The problem. Yep. Because yep. he he was at eighteen at that point. Like he would have had it pretty easily and yep. just disappeared. But but yeah, so we'll, we'll take him off the shortstop version of this pod either next week or two weeks or whenever we do it. But uh, yeah, not much to say about Mookie Betts, first rounder, and uh, hell of a year. Hell of a year. Marcus Simeon's one that I want to discuss. He was ADP 34, second, second baseman off the board. Finished second overall still. 276 average, 29 homers, 14 stolen bases. But to some, it was kind of like a weird year. Like His average was one of the best he's had since 2019. Power is still very good. Steals were down from last year, but runs RBIs. And it's just one thing we talked about last week a lot, just consistent plate appearance after plate appearance after plate appearance. I guess why I wanted to bring him up is the numbers are phenomenal. He finished second for a reason. It just seemed much more quiet to me this year for some reason with Marcus Simeon that uh, I think, at least to me, it needed to be highlighted just how good he still was, even though he might not have been as dominant feeling-wise this past season. I don't know if you have thoughts on Marcus Simeon. No, it sticks out. I mean, per HQ's values, Marcus Semien, this is his third straight $30 season. This is his third straight season. This blows my mind. Third straight season with 720 plate appearances or more 
and five seasons in a row, if we exclude the COVID year, with yeah. 700 plus plate appearances. Like, you want to look at a compiler? There is nobody like Marcus Semien in terms of racking up plate appearances, which I think is a skill. That skill could wane when you turn 33, which Semien will yeah. turn next year, which is a little bit of my concern for 2024. But you're right, like very much flew under the radar and just plays every single day. Like the steals weren't quite there, going 14 out from 25 last year. But, but dude, 122 runs, 100 RBI, 29 homers. Like, what a year! What a year! Great offense he's in that shouldn't change. Like, there's a lot to like there with Marcus Simeon. So, kudos to him. I'm just, it's one of those things. Okay, here's another biasy comment. And I um like I've really never been in on Marcus Simeon, so I'm scared to get in on him now. Type situation. It, it feels like a ticking a time bomb. I mean, I mentioned yeah. the age. Like I I don't know how many. Maybe this is a study for the off season. How many how many hitters in their mid 30s continue to? And maybe he's like a he's he's a swan. He's he's just one of those like unicorns. Simeon is, but I I feel like this is a ticking time bomb because so much of the value is tied to that plate appearance total. When you're in your mid thirties, can you can you consistently get 700 plate appearances? We've said that the last couple of years, and you'd be wrong about Semyon, but at some point, man, it's gotta gotta change. But yep, it's like a 600 still good enough is what it comes down to. That's a tough tough question to have there. Yeah. Speaking of guys that just can't compile plate appearances, <laughs> is Jazz Chisholm. The he anti. Three, he did have 383 this past year, which is better than 241 last season. We look at Jazz, he's the third second baseman off the board, ADP of 43. Finished the 25th second baseman. That's because that plate appearance thing we mentioned, he played 97 games. That's the second most of his career, though. He hit 250 with 19 homers and 22 steals, 50 runs, 51 RBIs. And again, he did that in 97 games. And this is the thing we talk about every single season with Jazz Chisholm. Like, per game, might be a second base number one per game when it comes down to it. But it's the per game problem that we have with Jazz. And he got hurt playing the outfield this year, like we were all worried about when they said they're going to play him in the outfield. Um, it's just one of those, like, if you ever put the, it's the big if, if you ever put together a big, a full season, how great would it be? It's the risk you have to take on draft day. I think he still was very good because you got to factor in replacement value. Maybe, I don't know what you would have done. Maybe you found something out there. I don't know. But man, the fact that he played 97 games and still put up 19 homers in 22, he almost went 2020 still. That's pretty remarkable. Like we're we're drooling over um, Nolan Jones for going 2020. Like Jazz did the Jazz same did thing. I, yep. Given you had the ADP of 43 compared to the waiver wire, I get it. Yeah, but second base, first outfield slash first base, like it's it's one of those things. Like maybe we're too harsh on Jazz. I don't know. Maybe it's because the ADP. There's a lot of discussion there but what's your thoughts on jazz i think it is because the cost and and yeah. and i mean to be clear before i get into jazz he will not be second base eligible next That's season true. but we we threw him on here just because for all of 2023 and he was drafted as a second baseman um it's the same conundrum as last year yeah the dude went 2020 and say like and your comment about uh replacement level bubba is spot on what if what if you had jazz early and like Zach you or pick up that's the exact name I was just gonna say. What yeah. if you picked up Zach Geloff in, in the second half and you combine Geloff with Jazz and like that's uh that's a top three second baseman, that combination of players. So um me personally, I'm just risk averse in the early rounds because I don't think Jazz Chisholm's ADP is gonna change that much. 
because of what we saw on a per game basis, what you were just talking about, I think he's still going to cost you like a fourth ish round pick. And for me, I just want to see somebody. I said this before the season, I need to see him go through the entire season, but maybe that's like a flaw in my game. And maybe you say, Hey, I'll take a 2020 guy in a partial season and piece it together from there through fab. And you can definitely be successful that way. Um, It's just, uh, and the, I mean, the other thing I'll add going back to the anti Marcus Semyon is like, yes, Semyon in his mid mid thirties, Jazz Chisholm's in his mid twenties. Like who's to say he can't, put together a full season of plate appearances if that happens dude it's a 30 30 season at least easy easy i think we're talking i think we're crossing close to 40 40 or at least like at least like 30 45 maybe or something like it's it's a wild number that could be coming that way and the marlins are getting better like they're a young team that's actually like putting a half decent offense out there so the crazy thing with jazz just to kind of wrap it up um finish strong as hell man Five homers, five steals in September. If you if you throw August in there, those two months, ten homers, seven steals, last two months of the season. Once right? he got healthy, he started playing He's again. Good. That's what. That's why it's so tough, man. Like you just look at him so and go, tough. man. If he's just on the diamond, life is beautiful. We'll go. We'll talk a lot probably about Jazz in our previews episodes, yeah. just because there's so many angles and formats that he's better for and whatnot that it's worth the the juice is worth the squeeze. In other places, it might not be, and that's just. The reality of the situation. Speaking of another guy, had a great season, but only played 90 games. I thought he played a little more than that. Only 90 games for Jose Altuve. Still at 17 homers, stole 14 bags, which is great because he hit 18 steals last year after three straight years of six or less. Hit 311. Um, he is 33. That's another thing to worry about. And then he just had a monster postseason just to top it off. Um, what's your thoughts on Jose Altuve? Because this is another one of those guys people kind of thought he was getting too old. You know, the time time was coming. And even with missing time due to injury, still had a heck of a season. Still a heck of a season. And I, I think I think we're I don't know, as an industry or, or what I'm hearing, like we're I think we're beyond the stolen bases are scarce conversation, given what we saw in twenty twenty three with steals going up. I think the new, the kind of the tired, wired version of this is guys who are elite batting average guys who can also hit homers and steals are like the scarcest thing out there. And Jose Altuve fits that mold like a glove. Like there, I, I, I'm sure I could do a bloom board on it, but like how many guys hit 300 and went 2020, which Altuve basically did. I mean, yeah, he missed the first whatever two months of the season. Um, just a fantastic year, and yes, 33, but like would would not have much hesitation at all taking him early, um, especially at what what we'll get to. I think will be a pretty pretty shallow position next year. Yep, I'm with you 100% on that. Ozzy Albies, this is a guy I absolutely love, and he came back, you know, last season, or 2022, injured riddled season. 2021, coming out party. Came back to that coming out party in 2023. Ozzy Albies at 280, 33 home runs, 13 seals. That's the number that people are cringing on because he had 20 back in 2021. But prior to that, was like a 15-steal dude. So maybe that's just who he is, even with the new environment. Hit 280. Um, again, similar like we talked about Simeon, that uh, Atlanta offense ain't going to suck for a while. So um, Albies is a beast, and he's a guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing his ADP because yeah, right now he's the second, second base. He's going ahead of Simeon in drafts. And yeah, that's a, yeah. that's an issue because you're looking at the age difference between the two. I think that's a deciding factor. Albies is 26 years old. So I love what he did. 
Could have stole some more bags. That'll be the big negative on him last season. But other than that, another monster season for Mr. Ozzy Albies. It was just wild seeing basically every day seeing Acuna, Albies, Olsen. Riley. And Austin, yeah, I was going to say, who's the fourth? Austin Riley. Seeing those four guys at the top of the lineup every single day. And that, that matters. Those guys are all back. Uh, extension-friendly Atlanta has locked all, all those guys up. I think one of the – probably the main takeaway with Ozzy Albies, Ozzy Albies is sometimes we – we so injury-riddled seasons, which you mentioned, Bubba, in 2022. Like I think sometimes we overrate that, especially for older players. And Jeff Zimmerman has done some research on this, that a lot of times like if, you're, if your player fought through an injury and struggled, a lot of times they don't come back from that. Um, I think your takeaway with Ozzy Albies is he's just so damn young. He's still, this was just his age 26 season that if you have kind of looking into 2024 draft season, if you have other 26 or younger hitters who struggled injury wise this year, they're young enough to bounce back. And that's what we saw with Ozzy Albies. I mean, basically last year was a total loss season and uh, Albies this year in 2023, pretty much put up $30 season, which is pretty much right in line with what we saw in 2021. So basically the same guy just had that down uh, 2022, which was, uh, again, mightily impacted by by injury. And it makes you wonder what those injuries in 2022 is. Maybe the speed comes back even more next season because he's working through. I guess just a whole lot of angles to uh, to look at and try to unravel as yeah. we predict the future of fantasy it, baseball. It was more a green light thing with Albies. He was... 93% success rate. So he was fine. Speed was fine, but he just didn't run that often with Atlanta. So it's got to be more of it, which is kind of weird, like right after Acuna, Acuna, who just has yeah. the greenest light of all time. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that shifts. Uh, it could, it could have got to the point, though, is like Acuna can run because Albies is up, but now we have our boppers. Don't screw this up. Like, we need, like, yeah. don't, don't run it down. Scoring position. Like, yeah. yeah. When you're on first base, you're in scoring position with these guys. So just, just hang out. Yeah. So. Tommy Edmond, this is a guy that is a fun talking point each and every season in fantasy because you either love him, you hate him, many other things. Uh, sixth ADP second baseman, finished 24th overall on the season at 248 with 13 homers, 27 steals, hit 248. Average down, uh, the lowest of his career, actually. But you look at the power, you look at the speed, you look at most of the numbers, they kind of fall in line with the past. And he only played in 137 games compared to late to, to other seasons. So. Some could say it was kind of a down season for Tommy Edmond. At the same time, it's one of those, like, he still stole a ton of bags. So what's your thoughts on Tommy Edmond? Just wrote Edmond's forecaster box, actually. And I thought for as, for as polarizing a player as Tommy Edmond has been, like on Twitter, um, skill set is, like, remarkably stable. Yep. Like, the contact, the, the like, okay power, um, and the stolen bases are there. The The big difference is with... Tommy Edmond this year, really three things. One, like you alluded to, Bubby missed a month in the middle of the season with a wrist injury, so that knocked his plate appearances. Tommy Edmond also hit ninth more often than he hit leadoff, and I think that was kind of the polarizing thing on online about Edmond is like, where is he, is he going to lead off or is he going to hit ninth? Because that stuff does matter. Um, he hit ninth more than leadoff this year, which did kind of ding his runs uh, scored. I think it was like 20, 25 fewer than 2022, which matters. Um, and the stolen bases, like the stolen bases were still there. 27 bags for Edmund 30 in 2022, but in 2023 stolen base environment, 27 stolen bases are still good, 
but it's not it's not stealing 30 last year like it doesn't stick out that much from a pure valuation standpoint so like i think edmund is actually he's fine and i would i would easily put edmund in the top 10 maybe top five at the position because i think the skills are stable and he's eligible at three different positions i think second short and outfield and i think you know what you're getting you're getting a decent average some homers and a good amount of bags um but it's just interesting to see like a stable skill set how polarizing edmund is um and some of those differences from last year yeah, he's just kind of that boring guy that you can almost pencil in his numbers barring injuries, which some people love, some people hate. Like, yeah, 51 games at second base, you got that. 48 at shortstop, so you got that on the outfield. So that's a nice middle infield outfield kind of situation there with Mr. Tommy Edmond. If you if you can stomach it, he's another one of those guys I'm like, am I really paying that price for Tommy Edmond? But uh, we shall see. We shall I'll see. It. I'll pay it. Well, and this is where – people go, Bubba, you're a hypocrite. Because I was all in on Andres Jimenez. It's a dude I love. He went six picks later than Tommy Edmond. And if you look <laughs> at the two, like Edmond's a consistent guy where Jimenez is very, very uh, roller coastery is the way I could put it. He's only 25, though. That's one thing I like about him. And Edmond's young, too. But with Jimenez, 15 homers, 30 stolen bases, hit 251. The average dropped a ton. I did not expect him to hit 297. 250, 260 is probably what he is. I expect a little more power. But the steals went up. Um, counting stats were okay. He hit in the middle of the Cleveland order. So that kind of messed with his counting stats. I think he's a very good player. I think looking back on things, Edmonds, the better player, but I still think Jimenez has a higher ceiling than Tommy Edmond. That's just the way I look at it. And that's kind of where I was drafting the, the difference between the two, but Edmond also has the flexibility. I know we're not doing a 2024 comparison thing here, but the, the fact they go next to each other and they had very similar stat lines that stand out to me. So what's your thoughts on Andres Menace? Uh, I think you nailed it, not to kind of recount your, what you just said, but I do agree Jimenez has the higher ceiling with Edmund. The 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 good thing with Jimenez this year, stolen base success, 83% on the bases, and a, again, a total green light with Cleveland. So stealing those 30 bags could go up to like 40 if, and this is kind of a just math exercise, Jimenez had a 360 BABIP in 2022, a 290-ish BABIP this season and so like where does that settle if it's if that settles in the 330 340 area Andre Jimenez gets on base enough to potentially steal 40 bags and again 2024 will be Jimenez's age 25 season so like I think there is some room for growth there so um, more of a draft preference thing I think how you want to construct your team if you want safety you'd go Edmund if you want upside you'd go uh, Jimenez I think yeah, similar to catcher, second base, very youthful position. Like we're seeing a lot of these mid-20 dudes, and which leads to a ton of volatility because, like, are they still entering another level of production or are we kind of this is who they are situations? That's what makes it kind of fun because we've already mentioned, you know, Jazz, Ozzy, Edmund, Jimenez. Now we have Glaber Torres. He was the uh, eighth second baseman on the board, finished ninth overall. He was just kind of a steady Eddie. I had like a little bit of a slump at one point in the middle of the season. But one of the dudes, like we talk about the plug, like set it and forget it, guys. I just never touched Torres. Finished with a 273 average, 25 homers, 13 stolen bases, scored 90 runs. Spent a lot of the year towards the top of the, the Yankees order, but he, he was all over the place depending on who was healthy at that point in time. To me, the biggest gains here, besides just the average, of course, the plate discipline was tremendous. Less than 15% K rate, walk 10% of the time. Like those are, on a young player, that kind of a gain is uh, is big. Now, can he duplicate it again? Big question. 
but uh, I, I, I'm a huge Glaber Torres fan. He was like, like Jimenez and Torres, I pretty much my second baseman everywhere this past year. Uh, and I'll, I'll be all in on Glaber again. But what are your thoughts on him for 2023? Has he put together a very steady season? I mean, that's that's name. That's name of the game. Steady Eddie. I mean, I think you're you you're getting a 270 batting average, 25 and 10. Yeah. And so, like, honestly, at second base, that's that's pretty damn solid. I don't know what Torres is early 2024 ADP is, but if you could pencil that in outside the top 100 picks, I think that's yep, a fantastic round pick. Yeah, I, I would take that. I would take that all day. And actually talking through this, we'll get to some of the duds in a little bit. But like so far, everyone's been pretty good. Like second base, I don't know. Eh, maybe I won't jump to conclusions, but there are some options here. Different types of guys, different types of skill sets, and different types of floor ceiling combos that um, I think are pretty enticing depending on what your your early, early round picks are. Yeah, at least like the top eight we talked about, like the worst bad average is around 250. That doesn't crush your team at all in this era of baseball. And you got some better batting average guys, but you're getting 15 plus homers, usually 20 plus on some of these guys. And you're getting Bad. 15 plus stolen bases, kind of like you're getting a very solid floor at second base. Whereas we come farther down the list here, it's very volatile, as you mentioned. And so maybe it's worth it to like say, you know, it's not the sexiest to pick. There might be like a 30 homer, 10 steal outfielder on the board, but I could lock in the second base guy. It's going to be pretty darn good. And they're so young. Like a lot of these guys, like I, I keep reiterating that. Like we could see a whole other, like Labor Torres, for instance. That Yankees offense was dreadful this season. What if they ever figured it out again? What if they go make a couple moves? Now he's got 90, he's gotten last season 90 runs and like 62 RBIs. That could easily be like 110 and 85. Like that's big. Like because like context matters, but like this, these top eight second basemen, there's there's a lot to like here, even though it's like not flashy, but it's it's pretty impressive. Agreed. Full agree. Um, Ahmed Rosario, I'm just going to bring him up because I know you were an Ahmed guy. <laughs> this last is my season. man. It's ninth off the board, 31st finishing position, 263, five homers, 13 stolen bases, six homers. I mean, uh, two teams didn't play all the time with LA. Um, thoughts, my man. Uh, now the only thought I'll, I'll just, I'll just roll a couple numbers out here. Ahmed Rosario will be 28 next year. Another young one. His, his full season dollar earnings per HQ. Since 2019, I'm going to throw out the COVID season, $23, $19, $27, and then last year, $13. What's the next number in that sequence? I am I am betting it will be higher than $13, and I'm also betting Ahmed Rosario's ADP will be much cheaper than what we saw last year. Given the age, given the track record, um, maybe I'm stubborn, but I'm, I will be back in on that. Uh, Ahmed Rosario fully, fully admitting that I would have been wrong this year because it was, it was a disaster. He's a free agent where he signs, he will play. I I'm again, speculating, but um, just, just really like the bounce back potential, but yes, a, a a down year for, uh, for my man to finish, to be drafted in the top 10 at the position and finish outside the top 30. We, we, we don't like that. Yeah, you're getting an early ADP of 372. Dude. Yeah. Come on. That's pretty juicy. It was like 119 to, last year. Dude, like, come he's on. The 44th second baseman off the board right now. If come I on. named you half of these guys, you're like, no, like he's going to be a starting sec- shortstop or second baseman at least. Wow. This is an interesting list. That's enticing. Enticing. This is what early drafting can be fun for. That's a heck of a pick right there if you can pull that one off. Let's stick with our youth movement. 
the 10th second baseman off the board, finished fourth overall. He's 26, too, by the way. That's Nico Horner. Nico Horner played 150 games this year, hit nine homers, stole 43 bases, and hit 283. I think, Ryan, we can agree. We expected average, some steals, a little bit of power. This is pretty darn impressive. What's your thought? And the plate discipline's great. So what's your thoughts on uh, Nico Horner as he continues to develop as the leadoff hitter for the Chicago Cubs? I mean, this is when I when I say middle rounds and I preach middle rounds every offseason leading in draft season. If you if you identify Nico Herner as your middle round pick at the position or for steals or whatever, um, I don't want to say he was a league winner, but he certainly helped that cause um, and didn't even hurt you too bad, like slightly hurt you in homers. Nine homers isn't that great. But man, to get to to hit to, to hit 283, but not only 283, but across 688 of play, plate appearances, the weight of that 283 batting average is just massive. And then obviously the 43 steals. So I would say Nico Herner was the breakout, maybe one yeah. A, one B, who we'll get to a little bit later. I think yeah, true. Um, there's one later for sure. But yeah. uh, but kudos to anyone who took Herner in the what ninth, tenth round of fifteen teamers later than that in twelves and gave you top five value at second base. That was a hell of a pick. Yeah, I just want to mention real quick. So last year there were seven second basemen taken in the top one hundred. Currently there's nine going in the top one hundred. And last year there were let's just throw in Luis Garcia at pick one fifty five. There were twelve in the top one fifty five last year. Right now there are if we go to 156, there's 17 second basemen. So people are moving them up their board for many reasons, but it kind of goes, I think, to probably some of the stuff we're mentioning here about uh, consistency, potential ceilings, stuff like that, that make it interesting. Um, Max Muncy, great season. We'll talk about him more at the corners because he will not have second base next year, but 36 home runs if you had him at second. I guess one reason we, we liked him, actually, I think, as a second base, third base guy or second base, first base guy last year. So he's a monster. Luis Garcia, disappointed. I think that's fair. Jorge Polanco, 13th off the board, finished 46th. Didn't run, hurt all the time. Any quick thoughts on Polanco? Like, it's just frustrating because the talent's there when he's healthy. We even saw it late, like in, in September, it was great. He just could not stay healthy. Minnesota twinsitis. Yeah, it's bad over there. Um, Brandon Lau, 231 with 21 homers, seven steals. Uh, I guess we can give a second here. He was the 14th off the board, finished 29th. This is the guy that's always on my do not draft list because I just he's always hurt. Like the back injury, it comes back every single season. He's going to be 30 this year. I uh, played in 109 games last year, 65, 149, 21, shortened 20 season, then 82, 43. To me, that's just who he is. Um, any thoughts on Brandon Lau? Like the power is legit. I've never denied that. I just can't trust him to be on the field. No, just exhibit. 632 of April victory laps. Brandon Lau started pretty hot. Seven homers, 20 runs, 18 RBI in April. And then, yes, injuries played a role, but but fell pretty pretty far quickly. Let's go back to our young second baseman, the 27-year-old oh, second baseman. This one. That this stings because he, I think one of my bold predictions is like he was going to be the next Jazz Chisholm or something like that. It was something along those lines. I, I think I said 30-30 is what I was saying. With Thyro Estrada. Um, Thyro was the 15th second baseman off the board at pick 22, or pick uh, 169. He's a finished 22nd second baseman. He hit 271, 14 homers, 23 steals in 120 games. In 2022, in 140 games, had 14 homers and 21 steals while hitting 260. 
Uh, I got a lot of blowback on my love for Thyro Estrada. Um, I still love Thyro Estrada, and this is one of those guys that, if he stayed healthy, I think at least at least 20, 30 for sure was like in the bags, if not more. I love Thyro. I think he had an amazing season, couldn't stay healthy. And they were kind of freakish. One was like I hit my pitch on the hand and like just stupid things. So I'm not that concerned about Thyro Estrada. But do you have any thoughts on him? Uh, it's funny you mentioned the numbers 20 and 30 because I had Estrada's box in the forecaster and I threw an upside projection of him. 20 home runs, 30 steals. This guy was Jazz Chisholm in the first half, and it just got totally derailed by injury. In the first half skills, we break out first half and second half in all the all of our forecaster boxes. It's pretty wild to see the like total collapse of pretty much everything in the second half. And it's just maybe it's a coincidence, but I don't think so. Um, it's all right after that injury. So I think Tyro Estrada, like this guy was on pace for a breakout season just got derailed and so don't know what the early adp is or, or whatever but i don't really care like i'm i'm very interested in uh in your boy for for next year he's one of the top 17 in the top 156 he's 155.75 right in front of tommy edmund right now so huh. huh yeah very excited about that one jonathan indy is a fun one because even in our early draft he fell in adp and a lot of it's just due to injury but he was the 16th second baseman off the board to pick 176 this last year, 178. Um, finished 21st still. I think that's pretty good considering he played 119 games. Hit 17 homers, stole 14 bags, hit 244. Power was up from last year. Speed was definitely up from last year. But it's back-to-back seasons with injuries. And um, he's going to be 27, another young second baseman. The talent is legit. Um, uh, the crowdedness, I should say, of Cincinnati is an interesting discussion point as well. But when he was healthy, he was in the lineup every day. And I think he's a stud and could be another, still be a stud, but injuries got him this year. So what are your thoughts on Jonathan India? Yeah. And this is one where like, you do need to look at the injuries and say, is it, is it a fluke thing? Is it, we're talking about Estrada. Is it a, is it a hit by pitch on the hand? Is it in India's case, plantar fasciitis last year, more foot problems this year? Like, is he injury prone? I'm, I'm leaning that way. And so like that doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies for a 2024 draft price, just because I think you have to bake in not only lost time, but like it's not a cut and dry when he's healthy or not. At least it hasn't been the last two seasons. It's India trying to gut it, which is the worst thing. Yep. He's playing and gutting it out and not performing. You'd rather just have him on the AIL. And that you just wonder, like, yes, we saw what the ceiling is in the first half with Jonathan India when he was fully healthy. But I don't, I, I don't think we can trust him going forward to, uh, to, to stay at that level over a full season. Would be happy to be wrong, and the numbers would be great if he, if, if that did happen with Jonathan India. But man, um, just, just starting to get that injury prone label, and I think it's, it's somewhat well uh, deserved. Probably a bad word, but whatever. Yeah, he said the hamstring issues. So it's like soft tissue ligament stuff that those linger. And that's like, it reminds me of Tulowitzki for some reason. Plus, they're trying to trade him. They were trying to trade him last year. He just couldn't yep. stay healthy. Like him out of Great American, not, not ideal. So, um, yeah, interesting season for Jonathan India. Long Grissom, we kind of know that saga ended with a strikeout in the DS series. Uh, Drake Cronenworth oh. basically just stopped playing. That was a gigantic. Like, I'll give you the floor if you got anything on Jake. I'm just like, 
that's a disaster that I don't even know if I want to go back to right about now. Do you have anything on Jake Cronenworth? Nope. Yeah. Uh, Whit Merrifield, I do want to talk about, though. 19th second baseman off the board, 16th overall. Uh, now, he's older. He's 34. Completely different than we've been talking about. He hit 272 with 11 homers and 26 steals. We've always known Whit can steal bags if he gets regular playing time. That was the big question last year, and he got pretty 145 games. It's pretty big stuff there for Whit Merrifield. What are your thoughts on this season, though? Because, you know, outside of the steals and a good day, and I were just kind of like, yeah, across the board. Yeah, um, and I had Whit Merrifield on my my Tatworth team, and it was it was kind of meh. Like you you do look at the end of the season numbers, and it's 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 okay, not not prime Whit Merrifield. Um, I do look at the twenty six steals with ten caught stealings. Like that success rate isn't that hot, and he's going to be thirty five next year. So I just wonder, like for somebody whose fantasy value is so tied to his legs. That worries me, and I kind of made this point with with Tommy Edmond earlier. Twenty six steals, well, decent, isn't making the impact that twenty six steals did a year or two ago. So yeah. um, I just see like a player in decline. With I don't know, he had a three eighteen OBP. Like the real life skills aren't that great. So I just I don't know if he even gets a full time playing. For time full time role, uh, sorry, in in twenty twenty four. So I just I just worry about it. A, a decent bounce back season, but uh, I don't know if I'm I'm too keen on Whit Merrifield going forward. I'm with you. Jeff McNeil's next, and Brandon Drury. We kind of hit on him before. Yeah. Uh, two sixty two, twenty six homers, zero steals, but another like you know productive season in the power department. He's got the multi position eligibility. Um, any thoughts on Brandon Drury, or did we already hit on him enough? Yeah, I think we hit on him a little bit last week, so we're okay. good. Uh, Ryan McMahon. This is another guy I want to discuss, just because every year it seems like you're like, oh, Ryan McMahon sucks. Well, he's 28. Um, <laughs> he's 28 years old, and um, he was 22nd off the board. Still finished 18th, ADP at 202. That doesn't stink. Uh, he hit 240 with 23 homers, 5 steals. If you look at his stat lines, this is who... Ryan McMahon is 240 to 250 hitter, 20 to 25 home runs, five, six steals or so. That's who he is. And if you don't like that, then don't draft him. And then he's also played at least 150 games in three straight seasons. So is he great? Probably not. Is he pretty good at post 200? Probably. So like, I, I just, I don't understand the hate. Tell me if I'm wrong. I just don't get the hate for Ryan McMahon. No, I just love the, I love the impression, which you can do that voice <laughs> more often than others. It's pretty good. I actually drafted Ryan McMahon in our too early DC because he just plays all the time. And yep. I need that middle infield. The only issue with getting Ryan McMahon is you're getting like old man skills. You're getting yep. first base skills. And if you're getting, and what I mean by that is you're getting like a low ish batting average, not many bags and some power. You can get that. That's almost a commodity. If you're getting that in your middle infield spot, you're probably falling behind in stolen bases. So that's, that's the only issue from like a team construction standpoint, but in terms of McMahon in a vacuum, nothing wrong with like settling on a top 15, 20 ish second baseman as your middle infielder late in drafts. Like, and, and you could even do better than that by streaming cores weeks and non cores weeks and that sort of thing. Um, in weekly leagues. So yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not part of the, uh, the Ryan McMahon sucks crowd, but He's not. I mean, the ceiling's pretty low too. That's the thing I'll say. I just always liked him because it's just it's consistent. Like I give yep. a, a later yep. pick, I can go consistent there, take chances elsewhere. It's, it's nice. 
We won't talk about a ton of these guys, but I got a couple more I want to hit real quick. Ketel Marte being one of them. He was a 23rd off the board, finished fifth at second base. And that came with a 276 average, 25 homers, eight stolen bases. If you want to go deeper, 94 runs, 82 RBIs, and one of the longest hitting streaks in the postseason currently at 16 games. The thing with Ketel Marte, I think most of us can admit, we know the skills are there. It's just a matter of can he play? We played 150 games. That's the most since 2018. And um, we saw the skills improve in a lot of areas. So what's your thoughts on Cattell Marte? Because uh, the, the trend continues. He'll be 30 this year. So he's not like super young, but he's not old either. Um, but what's your thoughts on Marte's 2023? Um, no, just, I mean, just a nice bounce back. I don't think we're ever going to see the 2019 version of Cattell Marte when he hit 329, 32 homers, 10 steals. I believe we got a listener question on Cattell Marte. Um, yeah. I, I forget who it was from, but the gist of it was, such an up and down dude over the last like five years, which is spot on. Cattell Marte, at least per HQ values in 2019, $33 player, which is like a first round, second round, early second round player, 33 bucks. And then seven, 15, 11, then last year in the mid twenties. And so like from a projection standpoint, this is somebody who like projections will not hit because the projections are going to say a uh, 17, $18 guy. He's never been that guy. It's either been like 10 bucks or closer to 30 bucks. And so it's just like, which, <laughs> which side of the coin are you going to bet on for, uh, for 2024? I feel like you're probably buying in coming off a, not a career year, but a, a pretty damn good year, which may only improve in his market value because of this postseason that we're seeing. What, what's the postseason? Hitting streak 16? 16 games right now. Pretty yeah. nuts. Um, yep. Hell of a season. I just, I don't know. Like, I'd rather have, like, the safety of Glaber Torres. I don't 100%. know what their ADPs are, but, like, I, I yeah. would imagine they're probably pretty close. And I just think I'd rather have somebody who I think I know what their stats will be as opposed to Cattell Marte with the roller coaster. Yeah. Glaber's 107, Marte's 147. Um, Marte's Marte's going right in front of like Thyro Estrada, Tommy Edmond. Those would be a couple yeah. right behind Luis Araiz, Andres Jimenez, Zach Geloff is even up there. So, a couple. I names. just, I just yeah. with with guys who you like just from a roster construction build. Like if you if you if you don't have confidence in what their stats will be, and again the projection is going to hedge between the peaks and the valleys, and he's never really been in between. It's just hard to kind of like plan for that. Boom or bust. What do you yep. got? And especially when you got a guy like this. You said Nico Horner might be the breakout guy. This is the guy, I think, based on ADP. Like, we'll, like Josh Rojas is there. Luis Arise, he was good, obviously, at batting average and whatnot. Bryson Stott. This was a dude I was way wrong on. Also 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he hit 280 this last year in 151 games. I was worried about the playing time, personally. He played yeah. pretty much every day. 15 homers and 31 stolen bases by striking out less than 16% of the time. Like Bryson Stott, the gains he made throughout the season, which carried over into this, the postseason, if you're A-OK, Bryson Stott was very, very good. And it's one of those where I, I, you're going to obviously be paying for 2023, but it was a great season. So what are your thoughts on Bryson Stott's 2023, especially on a Philadelphia team, which – I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. So it's a, a good place to be for Bryson Stott. How do you like his 2023? I feel like Stott, if we're just looking back at at recapping 2023, he was the poster boy for the rule changes in stolen bases. True. A 
12 steals last season in 466 plate appearances. Like, okay. But like, this was a guy who made a complete jump and deservedly so in stolen bases. He was a 91% success rate on the, on the base pass, which basically just says like he was successful. And so Philly just kept running him, kept running him, kept running him. And like, this was the guy, if we're, if we're saying, if we're time traveling back to March, and saying who are who are the new rules going to affect the most in terms of steals and increases? Like, this is the guy. Someone who's young has some some stolen or some some raw speed, some track record of at least stealing some bases, and is going to play all the time. Like, this was the guy that uh, that I think the rules really helped out, and we saw that with with thirty one steals. Like, I don't think anyone imagined that coming from Bryson Stott in twenty twenty three. Yeah, I'm with you, and. I'm- I don't think you're going anywhere with the new rules too. So that's why he becomes they very, are, they very are very much here to stay. Uh, Rob Manfred is, uh, I saw an interview with him today. He does his media rounds uh, prior to right the world series. series. Yeah. And he's very proud of his new rules. And honestly, like not to go off on a tangent, deservedly. So kudos yeah. to MLB for, I think a very successful implementation after one year of uh, yeah. the product we saw on the field, but that I know that's another thing. But I still hate I still hate the extra inning rule, but everything else I'm cool with. I don't mind the rest of it. Like I, I, I even noticed like when you're live at a game, you don't even realize the pitch clock. You just realize it because it's time to get your last beer. And I, I haven't been live at a game, so I I do uh, not yeah. sympathize. You're at a game and getting yeah. beers, but I do somewhat sympathize. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, Gene Segura, Miguel Vargas, Luis. Urias and DJ LeMay, who round out the top 30, nothing too crazy there. Do want to highlight a couple on the outside of the top 30 that had monster seasons. One with an ADP of 252, but finished eighth at second base. That is Hao Sung Kim. Um, is age 27 season, hit 260, 17 homers, 38 stolen bases. Um, <laughs> previous season in 150 games, 11 and 12. So he could be another Bryce Stott type example for you there. Yep. It was one of those, like all of a sudden he started playing and leading off every day for San Diego and just flourished in the role. And my two cents on this was it's a combination of there are super high expectations when he came over from uh, overseas. I think it was Korea where Kim came from. Could be wrong. Um, yeah, it was. Just, just took some time to get used to it. Like he's supposed to be the big shortstop that never worked out. And had and like there's moving them all over the place. And it looks like maybe he just got comfortable. Like it's one thing when we talk about new contracts in new places. We're talking new countries, new languages, Cultures, new yep. yeah. Like it's that's a whole different. That's why like when people say, "Okay, a guy's coming from Japan," well, look at like the teams that have like Shohei or like because they want some familiarity. Like that makes total sense to me. So for Kim, I'm going with that angle. I might be naive, but he seemed much more comfortable this year and looked like the guy that was a beast in Korea that everybody wanted. What's your thoughts on his 2023? I mean, I think this is this is the guy who I was alluding to when I was talking to Nico Herner. Maybe I glossed oh, over Bryson me. Stott to go uh, from 26th drafted to 11th. Uh, but Haseon Kim, I think, was like the breakout guy, second base. And someone who like, yeah, for those reasons, Bubba, that you mentioned, like I need to kind of incorporate into my draft prep process for this season because I did not I did not see this coming. And I took Haseon Kim for a just kind of consistent highish floor, low ceiling middle infielder. And there was obviously a lot more there. Some of that was playing time related, but, uh, but some of that also like you were alluding to is probably rule change related because he just ran wild 
on the base pass. 38 steals. Like that's just it's unbelievable. I I have my doubts given the price, the likely price. I have not looked at the actual price, but I have my doubts at the likely price for Hassan Kim buying in coming off of this 70, year. 70. 70 seems 70 seems expensive, but hell of a hell of a season for the guy overall and one of the um I wouldn't want to say one of the few bright spots in San Diego cuz San Diego is actually pretty good this year. The record wasn't there, but like they were from a run differential standpoint, they were pretty damn solid. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, they were one of those that like how did they not win in as many games cuz they were they were scoring, their pitching was that bad. Yeah. Um I'll just group these two together. Nolan Gorman finished 19th, Christopher Morel finished 20th, ADP of 374, 273 respectively. 23 homers for Gorman, 26 for Morel. Averages both below 250. Um, they're ones that I I really need to dig into for 2024, but I love the 2023. I had a lot of Morel and DCs. Like that was a big thing for me. But any thoughts on those two? Uh, I mean, for 2023, guys, mostly just timing. When did you hit on these guys? When did you drop That's them? In, in Gorman's case, like the, the 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 start was really hot, and then how quickly did you monitor that and and pull the the drop or at least just the reserve? in some of your leagues and with morell i mean he was like i forget when it was but morell was like the fab guy and sometime in the middle of the season was just on fire for like a month and then and then wasn't um so a lot of the 2023 production depended on uh on when you had them active or or not for sure uh two more here two of the better free agent pickups this year when it comes to prospects uh, Matt McLean, he finished 23rd at second base in uh, 89 games, 16 homers, 14 steals, hit 290. He was an absolute monster. And then I'll just put Zach Gell off here as well. Like we talked about him so much towards the end of the season because I was just blue in the face with him. But uh, he had an ADP of non-existent, finished 41st of the position, but 69 games, 14 homers, 14 steals, 267 average. Both these guys were super, super productive in their small sample sizes and uh, are both getting drafted accordingly so far this season. And in a season of high-profile prospect call-ups, these two guys, maybe McLean, like he he had some prospect pedigree, but wasn't like an, an elite, elite prospect. But McLean and Geloff somewhat flew under the radar in terms of like fab and prospects and that sort of thing and, and delivered a ton of value in a year again. Otherwise, that was dominated by, again, mostly on the pitching side, but dominated by high-profile call-ups if you if you picked up both mclean and geloff man you uh you did all right for yourself yep most definitely let to wrap up our second base review of the position we got a few listener questions slash comments so we'll go through these for y'all here um actually before we do what were your i guess final thoughts kind of looking at the board on this like we talked kind of top heavy with a couple darts later but you hinted at it earlier like there's um bad average and whatnot so what were your kind of overall thoughts looking at second base i think i think overall it's a lit like it feels like there's a decent top eight ten maybe heading into 20 i almost said 2014 2024 do think you need to get your bags here do think you need to get your bags um there's a different couple different ways to get it via the safety route with like tommy edmund with i think bryson stott but then you also have the i guess chisholm's not your your second base eligible guy but there's also some kind of low ceiling high floor guys as well so that that part of it is more your preference but i do think you need to get your bags there's a few different options to be able to do that and so um 
feels like you need to get your second baseman in the first 10 rounds in 2024. We'll have plenty of time to dive into that. But uh, I don't know. Like, pretty good at the top. Like I said, top 10 was all pretty solid with the exception of Ahmed Rosario. Um, a couple breakouts, not a bunch, but uh, I don't know. Probably one of the weaker positions overall, but I still think there's a, a decent early group you can go after. Yeah, I'm with you. There's going to be a good top 10-ish, maybe 12 if you're really getting frisky, but there'll be a group that it's kind of like, okay, I need to make sure I get one of these guys at least. Yeah, because like it's it. not – I mean, we glossed over a lot of the like the bus, but you had you did have your Luis Garcia, Jorge Polanco, Brandon Lau, Vaughn Grissom, Jeff McNeil. You had Josh Rojas, Gene Segura, Miguel Vargas. Like, there were a lot of there were a lot of bus, so it's not a, it's not a very deep uh, position coming off of uh, a bunch of those. Yeah, I don't see it changing too much. We'll see in 2024. Yeah. All right. Questions and comments from the listeners. Matt Thompson at MD Tomp FWFB. He just makes a comment. With Jazz losing eligibility, this isn't a strong position anymore. Yes and no. Yes and no. Like we, we agree, but yes and no. Carlos Marcano, our buddy, says, how do you guys feel about Glaber making the jump to being a top three second baseman? I'm cool with top five. Top threes. That's bold. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's bold. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't see the path. I don't see the ceiling from the skills. I think I think in a good year it could be top five. I also think in a bad year, Glaber could still be top ten. That that's the exactly. nice thing is you've got the you've got a really good floor there. I just I I can't see unless like the running game takes off even more than what we saw. It's it's kind of hard to be top three and only get like ten to twelve bags. But I think you're buying like a really good floor. Somebody's going to play every day. And Bubba, you alluded earlier to the Yankees lineup in theory should be better next year than it was this year. So um, I, I like them. I don't, I would, I would chill out on top three though. Yeah. It's, it's just hard barring injuries, of course, to see him outperforming bets, Simeon Altuve and Albies. Like it's just hard to see him cracking those top four, at least to get into the top yeah. three. Even, but, her, even Nico. Nico, like what if McLean continues to get better? Like there's, there's a slew. Like what if Thyroshara stays healthy? Like what's his actual ranking? I don't know. Maybe he's, he's probably behind Glaber, but if he goes 2030, like it's just there's a lot of what ifs, of course, but that's the name of the game we play. Jock Thompson mentions second base is tough. Vio con Dios, guys. Yes, it's uh, it's tricky if you don't get one early, as we mentioned. We, we, Jock, we're professionals here. We made it through. We made it through <laughs> just fine. We'll we'll uh, live to tell you about it next week at FPS. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, Vlad Sedler, our buddy at Roto Gut, says, "Remember the Grissom and Miguel Vargas draft season helium." Yeah. Roto Gut Farms remembers. Yeah, Roto Gut. He was all <laughs> over. Uh, Especially Vargas. He was big on Vargas. There was a lot of smart people on him, too. That's just the I, thing. Hey, I mean, for and yeah. you look at the prospect pedigree, like a start, a starting gig on the best team in baseball. Yeah. Uh, so so we thought during before the season, as uh, Bubba cringes Orlando when I Arceus say that. Somehow gets it. Yeah. Um, I, I get the process behind it, but yeah, it does seem like about five years ago when we were touting. Von Grissom and uh, and Miguel Vargas. And then it makes you laugh, and this is a side note. Then they they're willing to roster him in the NLDS after not playing him all season, and he then pinch hit it. him in the biggest moment of the game. Like if you like trust him, then why weren't you trusting him before? Like what are we doing here? Like, it's very 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 confusing to me. Uh, Ryan Ireland asks, "Where are we at with the with the very likely to be traded India toss up him or Geloff?" We kind of hit on India earlier. It's kind of like a, if you want to recap what you thought, you could go there. But it's kind of a injury thing, and maybe he gets traded. So, thought any real quick thoughts on India again? 
No, I think I'd lean Geloff between those two. I'm with you. I think some of it is how confident are you in 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 season fab to be able to supplement the the good that you get with Jonathan India with the inevitable playing through injury on the IL kind of thing. And some of that might be league size too. Like if you're in a 12 team or your replacement level is better when India is out. Um, I might lean India there, but I think in deeper leagues you go you go Geloff. Yep, I'm with you there as well. Everybody, little book of calm. What do we do with Miguel Vargas next year, assuming he gets the gig to start the season like he did last year? For those that forgot, he hit 195 with seven homers and three steals in 81 games. In 60 AAA games, though, he hit 288 with 10 homers and eight steals. So where are you at on Miguel Vargas? Honestly, I feel I don't I don't know Vargas's ADP. I feel like this is the I talk a, a lot about like binary decisions late in your draft. Vargas is one of those. Like you take a shot, you throw a dart at this guy late in your draft. If he starts out hot, gets the starting gig, you keep him and, and see what happens. If he doesn't, you cut, move on, and churn your roster, which you're gonna, probably going to do anyway. So uh, Miguel Vargas, they, like the long-term prospect pedigree is still very much alive. Had some hand issues. He had a he broke his pinky and got hit yeah. by a pitch on the they, thumb in the same hand. Yeah, this spring and in April, and he played through it. That does not explain everything, um, certainly. It's not a full injury-related pass, but Bubba, you mentioned the AAA numbers. Like this would be someone who, if I'm throwing upside darts late, which is what I like to do, um, won't hurt you if you if you miss. He's an ADP of 350. Um, yeah, I mean that's it, that's palatable. <laughs> it'll be interesting though. In that same team, Gavin Lux will be back from his ACL injury. That's a good point. And that's another second baseman. So. Uh, and there's there's multiple positions for guys to play in LA as they continue. Some of the older guys are moving out and things like that. So it'd be really interesting to see how the health of Lux is, where they kind of play each other in the spring. There's a lot of moving parts in LA these days. So something to like. I took a dart on Lux late in our our too early draft because I think once people see he's maybe healthy, that's going to change a ton. Uh, so that, that'll be interesting. And Vargas can play third base also because maybe they move Muncie around. There's lots of ways this can go. Uh, yeah, and he says, do you think his struggles are mostly spring hand injury? Yes, yes, we do. All right, next up here. Okay, do, do, do. John Wilder says, any chance we see Bryce Terang take a big step forward in his all-around game, or is he just a speed guy? That's a tough one, man. It's real tough. I, I had, yeah, it's a tough question because you don't want to close the book on somebody who's who's so young. Bryce Terang next year will be his age 24 season. Wrote him up for the forecaster and just I didn't see it, man. I did not see it. I I see I see the speed, but I also see very little power. I see a platoon bat, and I also see a batting average that like I don't really see a ceiling over like two thirty. And again, I hate to put that on someone who's just twenty four. There's room for growth there for sure, but from what we've seen in the major league skills, um, I don't. I don't I don't see it happening in 2024. Could someday materialize and the bags are going to be there, but it's going to be very inconsistent playing time and you're not going to get many other stats with those stolen bases. Yeah, he he's an interesting one because he had a really good like August hitting-wise average everything, then just deteriorated, stole 17 bags in the second half compared to 9 in the first. So like he is a definite speed guy, but I'm with you. It's tough to see where it all kind of falls into play. 
Um, Sweaty Ray commented on uh, Vlad's comment saying, thank God I got sniped twice in my main league draft on both uh, Vargas and Grissom. (laughs) It is funny how sometimes guys you're on, you get sniped and uh, it works out for the better. What little we know. Exactly. What little do we know? Our buddy Mike Carter says, and he's a White Sox fan, by the way. Let me preface this. Can the White Sox find a real second baseman? Um, Tim Anderson, maybe, if his knee's healthy, because we'll talk about that at short stuff. I've been biting my tongue on that comment all day. But, um, yeah, maybe. I don't know, know, Carter. I don't know if if Lennon Sosa is your guy at at second base this year. We'll we'll discuss it next week over some beers, but we may have to do create a player. Someone did comment. Well, what about Nick Madrigal? Because they had him and traded him to. They the, had him. That's right. That's that, was, right. that was good. That was good. Yeah, right. um, Doug Dennis said, "I had way too much Von Grissom." Then Jock Thompson came back and said, "Not in a steer or even CES." So yeah, that's the the, the conundrums that is some of these early guys. Uh, yeah, New York stress reaction said maybe Madrigal is available. That was pretty funny. Um, Mike Huey at Wax Packs says. I had Segura and Urias on the same team, placeholders until Altuve came back, but still. So he's making a point like, well, Altuve was hurt. He used those guys, but they were kind of dead numbers. Yep. The Altuve part worked out, but you didn't get much until then. Uh, Seth Baby says Jazz is way too high. Well, that's where he was drafted. I think that's more of a retrospective pick. Yes, he did yes. not return the value. But again, like what we said, a, a lot of that was what you did with that missed time with Jazz. Who'd you pick up? How'd you fill that spot? For sure. Our buddy Ben Tid says, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like second base had a much better return on investment than first base, at least pre-pick 200. Yeah, maybe, I guess. I don't know. I guess it depends on what you like steals, like you said, Ryan, but I don't know. First base just had so much thump. Yeah. Different types of production. Um, yeah. Can't, can't go against, against the good doctor Ben Tid, but uh, in general, like, I mean, like I said, in general, you got, you got your steals early in second base. You didn't get, I, I can see where he's going. Like you did not get like the middle rounds with second base was pretty rough. And there were only a few, you breakout guys so like if you waited on second base like chances are you kind of sucked at the position and so you had to go early to uh to at least get some type of stats um at the keystone that's very true and our last question is from big willie g will garofalo oh yes we got a willie g here d-backs fan my man d-backs we'll see him next week some say second base middle infields lacks top level talent and depth. Do you feel that's true? That's question one. Do you feel that's true? What was the question? Some say second base slash middle infield lacks top level talent and depth. Uh, I would say we haven't gotten a shortstop yet, but no, I think between Betts, Semi, and Albies, yeah, Altuve, you've got you've got enough at least at at second base, and traditionally shortstop's been deeper, so. Um... So yeah, I think it's I think it's deep enough. And then he goes, "How do you handle this position from a steals versus power perspective? Do you feel like you need steals?" Yes. Yeah, mentioned that 100%. a couple of times, but yeah, I think yeah, if you don't get bags here, you really need to uh, either get like JTR at at catcher or some kind of stolen base guy at first base. You need to kind of work and and make up for it if you don't uh, get speed at second base. Favorite 2024 breakout or sleeper at the position? 
Jeez, Willie G with the multi-question. Uh, I don't know. Is Gavin Lux cheating? No. <laughs> I think, I think that'd, be, that'd be my pick right now based on where he's going in drafts. What was what was Estrada's ADP? Uh, he's 150. Like, I think he's going to be... Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he, qualify as a no. breakout sleeper. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm gonna have to punt. I haven't. I haven't looked too much at, at that. That can be for the 2024 preview. That that pick, um, and then the fun question, the last question of the night from Willie G. First high noon flavor when you touch down in Arizona. There we go. This is the question of the night, Bubba. You're the. Um, I mean, you, you. From what I hear, you had a few earlier today at your uh, your pre FPAS golf tournament. A few. Did we sample different flavors? What yes, what do yes, we do? The pool yes, pack, the the El Prez pack. What did we do? We had them all, um, <laughs> all of them. Did I had some lemon. Them. I had some lime. Some passion fruit, grapefruit, uh, mango, pineapple. Jesus, um, <laughs> a little bit of everything. Um, I think if I have to, my my go to is always grapefruit, but uh, that the the lemon and limes are starting to to catch on. So we'll see what the bar has, but. I'm going to say grapefruit would be my one if I had to pick one when I first touched down at FS. That was going to be my follow-up to Garofalo's fourth question in the tweet was, uh, what, what what flavors are we going with for the live show next week? Oh, pretty much anything but black cherry or watermelons. Game with me. All right. Just throw them in All a bucket. Right. <laughs> Set it in stone. Yep, yep. We'll make it happen. I'll do it, Bloom. Uh, final thoughts as we wrap up the second base position. Just stoked for next week. I cannot wait. I'll see you. I'll see you maybe I'll Wednesday night, me. depending on what debauchery uh, you get in on you'll, Wednesday. You'll, but, you'll, uh, see me, you'll see me Wednesday night. Yeah, you'll see but me. At the very least, uh, Thursday morning for for golf, and then and then three to four days of just a ton of fun out there. So, so yeah, cannot wait. It's going to be, I'm just, it, it, I was telling you the other day, it finally hit like the other day when we were pairing up groups and doing tea times. It's like, all right, this is actually happening in like 10 days and it's on the weather forecast thing for the next 10 days or whatever. That's always a good sign and, and low no rain, sunny, no rainstorm. No rain. <laughs> so maybe I'll, maybe I'll shoot better than last year with no rain. Here we go. Here we go. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a blast. See Ryan in less than a week. See you, hopefully a bunch of you listeners out there as well. Don't yep. be shy. Come up and talk yep. to us. Please. Come yep. on. Like, yeah. The more the merrier. Um, come to the live show, obviously. If you can't, we'll have the podcast for you over the weekend next week. So a reminder, no Thursday show. You will get a show. Just uh, And then we'll come at you the following week, starting twice a week. So we'll be ramping things up for you to get you ready because we don't sleep during the offseason. There is no other sport going on right now. This is baseball. This is what we do. So we'll have you covered there. And until then, make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I am at Pediatric. This was Bubba the Bloom, episode 80, your second base review for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. Catch y'all later.